Welcome to today's episode of Tuesday's Tips. Today we have the privilege of interviewing Aaron Nicole. Aaron has an MS in exercise and sports psychology. Today she's going to talk about reframing negative thinking and turning it into positive, proactive thinking. So sit back and enjoy the show. Hey guys, Dave Markowitz here, part of the Dave and Andrew Real Estate team. And today we are doing Tuesday's Tips in our podcast show. And uh, excuse me, I'm fighting a little bit of cold, but uh, anyways, I'm honored to have a really unique guest on today. And her name is Erin Nicole, and she is a, um, I would say a coach in talking about um, just how to improve your life. And she has a variety of experience. She has a master's degree in uh, psychology and sports, and she has a program that she offers, which is called the move happy movement and she'll get into all of that today but she is she can provide so much value to us um and especially she'll get into like child depression and adult depression which i want to get into her as well so you know she's a book writer um so let's just get into it and erin thanks so much for joining the show today and yeah. tell us a little bit first about you um so our you know our audience knows so let's just get yeah. into it yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm really excited to be here. Absolutely. So a little bit about me. Um, actually, I started my profession in the teaching um, industry as a health and fitness K-12 teacher um, every year. I graduated in 2008. So every year I was at a different school because uh, that was just the economy and they would lay off new teachers and then hire them back. So I got very good experience um, being fluid like water and learning to teach to all ages from age four all the way to 85 years old. Um, so I've taught in every age bracket, um, went back to school and uh, was blessed to have my master's degree completely covered uh, from teaching step aerobics that I taught myself my first week on the job. <laughs> wow. wow. So uh, never, uh, never count yourself as someone that cannot do something just because you don't have the skills right now. Uh, you definitely can learn it if you're open to uh, working your butt off. (laughs) Um, So that's kind of where I started from. um, And then consistently was uh, laid off in different school districts just because the economy was terrible. And the last uh, being in such a specialty field, uh, health and fitness, music, art teachers, things of that nature, unfortunately get the last of the budget um, at the schools. What area uh, are you talking about right now? Um, so what area was I teaching in? Correct. I was teaching in uh, Washington State um, in the Pacific Northwest. Okay. And uh, so what they do um, in about March or April, they get to decide what their budget is for the next year. Um, and then they sent an announcement to all teachers that had 4.99 years or less of experience um, that they would be laid off and that they could potentially, they called it riffing, rift, um, and they would hold your placement if you had a continuing ed contract um, at the school district. And should, should funding be allowed, then they would invite you um, two days, two to three days before the school year starts to be hired back. Um, so I had done that year after year and wanted to be grateful. But uh, with, when I finally got my master's degree, I had five part-time jobs just to give you perspective um, simultaneously at, in different school districts driving all around and uh, it just didn't make sense for my well-being 
um, and was really not very effective um, when you're burned out as a person. So a lot of instability. So um, right after that year of working five jobs, had a great opportunity to um, actually work with the United States Air Force and Army at Joint Base Lewis-McChord. Um, because I got my certification for group fitness in, uh, through the ACSM, which is the American College of Sports Medicine, um, I didn't apply for this job. Um, they actually reached out to me because of that. Um, that is the gold standard in the U.S. Um, it's one of the top. So NASM, ACSM are like real top level for fitness um, certifications, uh, which just means that you worked really hard and took a really challenging exam. Uh, to then pass that exam and be considered as a part of their organization. And so um, the military, um, they reached out to me, uh, Dr. Bruder and her uh, nurse, I think she's a nurse practitioner, um, Lynn Larson, reached out to me and invited me to interview for this pilot program that would help active duty soldiers uh, veterans, uh, retired veterans and their spouses, um, in the whole five pillars of wellness help to really, um, allow them to have the healthiest life possible. Um, so we did a lot of, a lot of research, a lot of, uh, baseline testing. We did, um, like where you run on a treadmill test and you have the mask and they measure, measure your oxygen consumption and whatnot. Um, we had a cardiologist that was like our overseer of it to do baseline testing provide exercise prescription recommendations to them um, and also like body fat testing a variety sleep education, smoking, um, alcohol, drug cessation education. So it was a really neat experience. Uh, we were a team of nine women uh, that got to run the organization in the local gym. And it was like, they were setting up like doctor's appointments um, with us uh, very much like a, medical model prescription based thing they're trying to shift to more preventative methods instead of go to your doctor to get medication for this condition you've had for 30 40 years and now you're obese but let's start from the get-go and provide um, them with an exercise prescription or a nutri nutrition you know guidance and whatnot so it was really neat to be a part of that um, it was a one-year assignment, uh, and then I was blessed with the opportunity after that to work in a psychiatric hospital in active treatment wow. with adult patients that uh, lived at the hospital, and um, I was, in my personal life, I was just going through a divorce, and uh, I was grateful for a job at one location where I didn't have to drive all around the state of Washington to uh, pay my bills. And, uh, fortunately, uh, so I interviewed on the day and the day of the interview, we found out my dad had cancer again, he had cancer when I was 11. And so it came back 19 years later and, uh, we lost him on my third day on the job at the hospital. It happened seven weeks after my interview. So it happened really quick. It was, it was expected, but not that fast. And you know, I really believe in grace and the opportunity that uh, kindness and compassion can really help you through your healing process. And I started getting notes and fist bumps and check-ins from my patients and staff. Hey, how you doing today? And I'm like, I'm still learning their names. I'm still learning what floor am I on? Where am I at? Uh, mind you, we had, um, you know, they train us for a week. And they talk about the worst case scenarios to prepare us for, you know, keep your back to the wall and 
you know, all these things because they don't want lawsuits. They don't want injuries from the staff and whatnot. Right. A lot of, a lot of high risk activity. A lot of the patients in my hall were there. They, there's laws to protect people that have um, mental illness. Um, if they've committed a crime and they can't serve their trial, they can't go to court after a certain period of time. There's specific laws, of course, state by state, but they protect those with mental illness that may have like murdered someone, for example. Um, so they would be living there. Um, and then they would come down to our active treatment group. It was kind of like a school for adults um, and they would live on the wards and whatnot. So all of that was my first week of training. And then my third day on the job with the patients, I lost my father and um, they were nothing. The patients were nothing like how I was trained. It was a bunch of really amazing, kind, compassionate human beings that didn't have a money to their name, most of them. Um, and they, you know, out of the kindness of their, their heart, were generous and compassionate towards me. So it got me thinking, like, I want to get, you know, that law of reciprocity. I want to give something back to someone else. Um, not, not because I want any fame out of it or wanted to start a business or anything like that. That was not my intention or plan. That's where it yeah, from. exactly. Um, so I was shadowing my first, I think, eight weeks or so, six or eight weeks um, in the different groups that were being offered. And I got to see what they were actually providing for treatment to the patients, um, art therapy, music therapy, you know, a variety of classes essentially where they would come down for two hours in the morning for two groups. And then there was about 15 of us staff and then they had lunch break and then they'd come down for two more hours in the afternoon. And so one of the, one of the groups that I saw uh, was like the fitness wellness um, group was uh, facilitated from two amazingly kind women they just didn't have the background in 12 years of fitness expertise and training that I did. And so what I was going in completely non-judgmental and understanding that everybody's got their expertise and experience and whatnot. Um, but I hold myself very high uh, to doing above and beyond in all things. And the class was essentially Monday, Wednesday, Friday, a walking DVD. And Tuesdays and Thursdays was a yoga DVD. And I said, okay, oh, so that's awesome for this week. What are you guys doing next week? Nobody the same knows. thing. Right. The same thing. And I, I said, after a while. yeah, so I was like, see, is this for, they had like 16 weeks, semester 16 or 17, depending on the time of year uh, for the quarter or semester. And I said, so are you doing this for the whole semester like this? So the same thing. And they said, <laughs> yeah, well, we really believe that the patients love structure. And I was thinking, no, that's way easier for you to not think of something new each day. So right. I was like, okay, here's where I can help because I had to create my own curriculums in the schools because there was never a budget. There's no national standard for health and fitness curriculum, like math curriculums, like you oh, can wow. purchase for your school district. So we had to create our own lesson plans Got and it. make sure that they were aligned with the state standards to help you know, get the kids graduated and get them the credits they needed and whatnot. So very open structure and creative, but a lot more work involved for the teacher. So I had already done that before. So I was like, I know the structure. I know how many weeks, like my goal was to create something of value that would be fun for the patients so that when they got discharged, um, that they would want to participate in fitness because of the connection to how important it is to their mental health. Um, but I'm also really big in, in the exercise psychology as well with my master's degree and understanding 
that um, people work more effectively when they're in a community. Um, but there is that individual psychosocial aspect as well. So I said, let me do some research and see if there's a program already out there that combines the two domains and vary into positive psychology as well. And I che checked with my manager and said, I want to create something outside of school or school outside of the hospital time, you know, during my free time for the patients, just because they were so kind to me. And she said, well, I don't want you to do all that extra work. And they really aren't interested in fitness. And I was like, they yeah. They weren't letting you grow, bottom line. Um, yeah, she wanted to be supportive of me, but she also knew like how much my job paid me and also to not add extra work to me during my time of grief. And I said, I want to do this. Like this will get my mind off myself right. and my pain. So um, I went to work and I did some research to make sure that there wasn't anything already out there that I could just implement in the group. There was nothing that combined journaling, group discussion, and workouts with minimal equipment. We, we had a zero budget. So I was like, okay, I can't do any workouts with equipment. We had $100 a month to split between 15 staff for our patients. You that. can't right. even buy a dumbbell. So right. I was like, not that you can right. use a dumbbell That's, in a mental health facility, but that's another story. <laughs> right. And they actually do for certain, certain patients that had certain levels of freedom by proving that they were safe around themselves and others. There was a small workout facility, but it was like three machines in this small area. It was in a different building and you had like all these checks and balances of, you know, walkie talkie. Did you get permission from this person to right. actually go outside today? And you had to get it written approval two weeks in I'm advance or whatever. Rubber, um, so, bands as well, correct? Yeah. So no, no, we, um, they had some jump ropes and some hula hoops and things. So I was like, well, I don't want, if the patients don't, my goal was to allow them to have this program for a lifetime of variety to teach them the skills to design their own workouts that they would enjoy. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also to, um, to build a trust factor in the group so that they would open up and learn about positive psychology because a lot of what therapy is, is focusing on the problem instead of on a possible positive solution first. Um, so when you think about negativity, it manifests and it ruminates and it expands, which is whatever you think about grows, right? So if you're thinking about positive things, your dreams, your aspirations, well, then that is going to be a much more possible thing. So um, in a nutshell, uh, got the structure, did the beta kind of first round program. She said no one would be interested. Uh, we actually had the first time we ran it, they, the patients had participation in their selection of groups. Um, it was decided by their, their support treatment team, them, and then also just to make sure they weren't doing a bunch of just like workout classes that they had a variety of of therapy groups um, as a part of their treatment plan. And so they got, they got to select it a week or two before we started the semesters. Um, and <laughs> our group had, it was, it was signed up full, so full. <laughs> we had to move to another room because we had maxed out the capacity. So she said, well, this is a, a surprise. I didn't think they'd be interested. They weren't interested because, because we didn't offer it to them. So, um, and I also, I think the name of the group too, because they only got the name of, so that their uh, psychologist on their ward 
would have about five minutes, 10 minutes a week with each of the patients and say, here are the, here are the treatment groups offered. They had like a one sentence blurb to them. And which one do you want? <laughs> that was like, you know, you got to like in a nutshell. So I was like, okay, it needs to be a really cool name that'll get them interested. That'll pique their interest and something that is easy to share with other patients. If it turns out to be a good program to keep, keep the class, keep the group full. You, so you, I almost, let me interrupt. Do you think it yeah. was the thinking of the heads of that whole operation? They didn't think that the patients were smart, not smart enough. They didn't give mm -hmm. the patients enough credit. They thought, Oh, because there's mental illness here, they can't make that decision. Uh, so two things, I think that's possible for sure. Um, secondly, uh, most of the patients, I didn't even mention this. So we get, uh, an email every month from the registered dietitian with their levels of their BMI, their glucose, like everything on a spreadsheet. And with wow. my mil with my experience with the military, we actually, every single appointment had to measure their BMI. So I got very familiar with how to read where they're at, either obese, overweight, morbidly obese. And about 90% of my patients were in the obese or morbidly obese category. So you've got, you service the population that you are working with. And recognizing people that are overweight or obese, just getting them up and moving, the confidence that they would have to have in themselves to work out around someone else and the embarrassment factor for those that haven't worked out in a long time. Right. Like there was a lot, there was a lot of factors going into it. And because of my training and confidence in creating something fun, I said, I can't like, it's not going to be a military style workout where right. I'm going to kill camp. them on the floor. Right. No boot it camp. was exactly my goal was it's going to be fun for them. So that means they have to be able to choose um, their level of intensity and it's going to be something that's simple enough that they'll remember how to do it when they leave the hospital. And it's cost effective so that the hospital can duplicate it from, you know, year after year right. without a minimal additional cost to the hospital because they had no budget. So there was a lot of details that went into it and, I think just from the going back to your question, as far as like, did they think the patients weren't smart enough? Did they think the patients wouldn't be interested? I don't know what they thought. Um, my manager was one of the most supportive people. She loved the patients like they were her kids or, you know, their her grandma and grandpa because the our patients were mid twenties to eighties in my particular home. Um, but she had been there for thirty plus years. Wow. So I think she might have been partly burned out from the bureaucracy of, of the system. Right. So here I am, fresh meat, fresh eyes, really enthusiastic and grateful that I wasn't working in five different areas that I could put all of my energy and passion into uh, the patients that I was working with. And so for me, it was like, this is a no brainer. This is not going to be work for me. This is going to be fun for me. And I'm going to add value here. And maybe, just maybe, it'll make an impact on the patient. So that was my mindset going into it. Got it. And it turned, it, turned into, <laughs> it turned into such a big hit. I asked the patients for feedback at the end of the first round. 
And they were looking at me like deer in the headlights. Like they didn't want to say anything about my program because of the structure there and the control factor there that um, they could actually lose their fresh air breaks from some of the staff there if they looked at them wrong or if they mouthed off to them wrong. And so here I am like trying to get them to feel safe, to give me feedback, to make the program better. And I had to explain to them, one of the patients actually said to me, you're just going to use our feedback against us if we say anything bad. And then I won't get a fresh air break or smoke break or whatever. Wow. Uh, and I was like, I'm glad that you're feeling safe enough to share that in the group. Here's where I'm coming from. I said, I had to design in grad school um, a program and get feedback from teachers. I created a musical in, in grad school for educating about uh, asthma awareness and whatnot and created a curriculum and whatnot. And so I said, a part of that experience taught me in order to create a structured program, you have to get feedback from the people that are a part of it to be able to use their opinions and ideas, use your own reflection of ideas, um, and continue the process of creation, revision, and improvement because we're all human beings. No one is perfect. And my goal is to make this fun for you guys that you'll want to keep working out when you leave the hospital because right. I would love for you all to be discharged. You were giving them a life-changing aspect to continue further on. Yeah, and so once they heard me say that, then a, a few of them started to feel trust in me. And so then they, a few of them felt safe to either share verbally in the group or um, I had uh, questionnaires that I had uh, to measure their pre and post to measure if it actually was improved. Um, both like a Likert scale, kind of one to 10 scale, or one, I think it was one to five scale, and then also open-ended questions to get their right. initial feedback. So um, that is a skill in itself to give feedback, by the way. Um, so I got some really good ideas. We started making revisions, and I had a couple of the patients. There was, um, I believe there were 17 in the group. Most of the groups maxed out at um, 12, uh, just to kind of give you perspective. Uh, just a pretty large group. For, pretty large group. Yeah, for, I mean, because each room had a different uh, legal capacity the fire marshals allowed right. for whatnot. And so uh, we tied for the, the max, the largest group uh, within all groups offered the first round. Um, and then we had to be moved to the larger room. So they were interested. They liked that I asked them for their feedback. I said, you guys get to be a part of the journey of this group. And I will be adding revisions that we feel makes sense for the for the whole so that future participants in the group will, will be able to benefit from your contributions and right. they, they loved that they didn't understand that i'm surprised <laughs> yes they okay. loved it you know people with mental illness are um they're all around us they are the most especially people with schizophrenia are one of the most intelligent people in the world like iq is very high typically they just don't know how to really verbalize their intelligences. Is, is it verbalization or is it really aspects going around, going on in the actual brain? And that's just, they're, they're wired that way. They have no control and it's really. I think it's a combination and I wouldn't um, presume to make a blanket statement over all people with schizophrenia or mental illness. Right. Um, but just from my personal and professional experience in that short amount of time, um, seeing 
what was possible from, from the patients and especially the transition from, okay, we ran it the first time, revised it, added additions. I added some ideas. My colleague, I co-led the group with the licensed mental health therapist. Um, she was my mentor at the hospital there. And so I wanted to make sure that since I'm not a licensed therapist, that she's got the one-on-one background experience to make sure that it was a, a group that could be um, safe and effective for the patients, um, you know, as a whole. So um, yeah, variety, variety of factors. So it was really fun. So we revised it, got to run the program three separate times. I had actually a former U.S. Marine um, as a part of the group. Um, he was uh, retired and uh, in corporate America in charge of like 200 staff, and he lost his wife to cancer and lost it. And um, when I lost my father, he and I connected because I shared with the patients. I came back to work the next day after um, after we found out he passed because um, I didn't have sick time built up, and so I and plus I wanted to get my mind off myself. So. Um, my co-facilitator, Sayaka, uh, she said, would you mind sharing what happened in your personal life? And I was like, no, I don't want to share this right now. But I'm glad she made me do it because that built instant rapport with he and I. So he was a part of my group the first round. And then he had to do some, some other group the second round. He wanted to be a part of it, but his uh, treatment team said, no, we want you to be a part of this other thing at that time. So it didn't work out in the schedule. But then the third round, he got to come back. So he got to see the progress and he said to me, he was a very, very smart human being and very, like very no bullshit, pardon my French, but (laughs) Um, he said, Aaron, uh, this will be on TV. I will be seeing you on television with this um, Move Happy brand uh, and you will be sharing this with other hospitals. Do you have any questions? And it was... (laughs) There was testimonials like that all over the place um, that really encouraged me to believe that this was bigger than I had ever intended it to be. Um, so let's let's. How long were you there before you made the next step in your career? Um, yeah, so I ended up uh, the third round was invited into uh, an opportunity to get a promotion within the hospital. Um, uh, my my manager said it, not in like a negative way, but she said just to be honest with you, because I was very honest with her. I was like, look, this job is great in one location, but I'm having to work outside of work just to pay my bills because of the low income amount, you know? And so she said, um, people told me to apply for the psych associate role within the hospital or statewide. Um, cause if you work for the state, then you can interview in other places too. And she, and I interviewed in a couple other locations outside of the hospital and she knew that I was looking for more income. But, you know, you wait till the opportunity presents itself. And so I just kept adding value, adding skill sets, finding ways in the hospital that I could fill needs and um, got an opportunity to interview for a psych associate role um, as the in, in charge of the entire ward, which is where the patients live, about 30 patients per ward on average. And she said, I wouldn't even be interviewed for the role because, because she had been there for 30 plus years. So she talks to a lot of the other, you know, leaders in the other halls and whatnot and the bureaucracy of what they're looking for. They, um, they wanted someone that had a licensed, state licensed um, degree in mental health um, to be a therapist. And I didn't have that licensure, but I was like, I'm not going to let that stop me. I'm going to keep going after it. Um, 
You're still there. It's going to come back. There you Sorry. Go. Okay. Someone got, got through. Sorry. And uh, so I was blessed with the opportunity to even interview for the role. And there were 17 of us that got to interview for this particular um, and ward. And all had MSs in the next step that you didn't. Yes. They only selected people with licensed in mental health um, or doctorates. Wow. And it was down to another gal and myself. She did not work in the hospital. She had just gotten her license. So she didn't have practical, uh, actual application yet of her degree, but she had the licensure. And I was adding value. I got really quick, uh, really efficient at my job because we'd have to chart notes um, on a monthly basis on all of our patients. And so I got really fast the afternoon. We had about an hour every day to chart notes on anything major that happened or, you know, any interesting behaviors that we should note to then send back to the ward for the staff to be aware of like some, for example, if like a patient was drooling, they might have too much of a medication and to um, then send the information for the psychiatrist to adjust their medication amount. Like there was a lot of factors like that. So we would chart notes every day and I got really quick with, um, charting notes and cause I'm really fast at typing and whatnot. And I wanted to get really fast so that I could add more value to the hospital. And I connected with one of the psychologists there, um, Dr. Hill, and he was the, in charge of the ward for one of the floors in my hall. And I said, Hey, I know your schedule is really tight. Cause I found out that, um, he takes them to court and he like presents how they're doing in their treatment and whatnot, whether or not they get to leave the hospital or not. So his, his job was very high stress, high pressure. Um, and I said, I would love to help lighten your burden. And I would also like to have experience um, in the one-on-one -on -one experience because I do eventually plan to get a PhD. And they told I had applied to a few schools um, when I was working at the military uh, pilot and the schools turned me down, but it's okay. I'll keep doing it. But they said I needed more research experience and whatnot. So I said, okay, well, maybe this will count as research experience of doing one-on-one -on -one treatment under the guidelines that I'm, you know, actually facilitating it under an approved um, psychologist. So right. he loved the idea. He said, uh, write up a resume or write up a little write-up of uh, your style of psychology and, um, all he's like, I've got two patients in mind. So I started volunteering within my job time parameters because I got really fast at my job. And so I was um, helping actively one-on-one -on -one patient uh, therapeutic. We did walking therapy, positive psychology therapy, a variety of things with those two patients um, outside of my regular job role. And because I had the experience within the hospital and I knew all of the patients names on every single ward because knowing names is important. I learned that from my teaching experience. Um, I was then selected to the next round and it, and it was between the, the gal that had the license for uh, mental health therapy and then me without a license, but a master's degree and the experience. And then in my interview with um, the head of the psychology department for that particular hall, she said, why should we select you? 
And I brought up, um, I brought, I, I, I am an, an author, a self-published author, Whole Life Affirmations. And so I brought a copy of that book. And then I brought the journal that I had created for my Move Happy program, um, which was different weekly topics, all related to positive psychology to help, you know, kind of guide someone towards happiness at the end of it. And she said, you created this? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, well, first of all, you need to get this copywritten because I didn't have a copyright in the little journal. I was like, that's great advice. And she said, after I, you know, kind of gave the reasoning and whatnot, and then I knew all the patients' names, and then I was already actively doing one-on-one treatment, um, and that I felt very confident uh, and that that particular ward had a token system. So the patients that were participating in, you know, daily activities of showering and daily activities of you know, going to their treatment groups on time and participating, like things like that, they would get different tokens to then be able to use in a reward once a week in the store to purchase, uh, purchase or, or use right. their coins or tokens um, mm-hmm. for, for treats, for gum, for shampoo, for lotions, whatever, like it was an incentivized haul. And so I told them that I was very familiar with that with my background and whatnot. So she, she was like, well, I just wanted to let you know that we have selected you um, because of the added value that you already have been bringing for free. And we feel very confident that uh, you will be able to uh, take over this particular role. And the woman that I was going to be taking over, she was going to be bumped into a high risk area um, with nine patients to a ward that were highly like volatile patients um, that needed someone with, you know, a lot more experience than myself. So I was like, so, so excited. Uh, But during that process, um, I had to train and then also still do my job. So she and I, Carrie, uh, was the gal that I trained under. She and I figured out a schedule, um, and um, my team helped support me to get my afternoon classes or groups covered so I could train with her for this new job to not cost the hospital money to hire someone Fill in the gap. for my missing role. So we had a lot, there was a lot of details to, yeah. to get it done, and she was really good at her job training. So I trained with her for, I think it was two weeks. And then halftime, of course. And so one of my colleagues, one of the ladies that taught the fitness group, the yoga and the walking DVD group covered for me. And I was so nervous. She was the only one available with the schedule to do it. And I was like, man, I hope that she doesn't feel like I'm stepping on her toes in what she's been doing here at the hospital for so long. Right. And it was and not I'm assuming about- because you were younger, correct? She saw uh, yes. that she, saw that as a, uh, she was intimidated by that. And that's what I was afraid that she might be, but she actually wasn't at all. Interesting. And so she stopped me in the hall one day um, when I was coming back from training with Carrie and, and she had been covering for about a week now in the group. And she said, Aaron, I got to tell you, I absolutely love your group. She said, it's such a, um, you know, organized, very simple layout. So-and-so writes the journal prompt on the whiteboard. So-and-so passes out the journals to everybody. So-and-so passes out the pencils. All the patients know exactly what to do because a couple of them were in it previous semesters and they've bumped themselves up to a leadership role within the group to help 
um, encourage the other patients to share the responses. And then we all get a fun workout after that. She's like, I love it because I get to work out because I don't have time outside of my work shift to work out because I'm too exhausted by the end of the day. And so you've provided something of value to me as a staff. And that told me two things that one, first of all, she didn't hate me, uh, that she actually loved what I brought to the table and that it was simple for her to not have to think about how to substitute for me. Right. Cause of all my teaching years of experience, I wanted them to know exactly what to do when I'm not there. And so I had all those skills that I was just waiting to use. So she proved to me that my program was duplicatable, that I could share it with someone else without having to be the facilitator of it. Um, so I, I got, Oh, I have chills just talking about it because I, I don't, I don't take credit for the program I put the work in, but it was such a community involvement process um, to make it better and better and better enough to allow me a promotion that I was told I wouldn't even ever be interviewed for. And so um, I worked, Carrie went on vacation for a week and I worked on the ward and they all, you know, made me a cake and said, you know, we're going to miss you, but we're so proud of you getting this promotion because no one in the hospital had ever been promoted in under a year. Wow. So just to put perspective in. Um, and how, so. How long were you there now, this whole entire? I was there for one year, exactly. One year. <laughs> That's and it, then, yeah. And then so, when did you make your shift where you left? Yeah, so um, I got the promotion and I loved it. I worked um to cover for Carrie for a week when she went on vacation. And then I took my vacation the following week. And when I came back from my vacation, uh, the psychologist that hired me for that role pulled me into her office and she said, I'm so sorry, but Washington state budget cuts have cut that entire high risk hall <sighs> and 60 people lost their jobs today. Wow. She said, the good news for you is that you get to keep your original job, but many people lost their jobs today because they had hired, you know, cleaning staff and a variety right. of extra staff outside of the hospital. So Carrie went back to that hall to cover for her, you know, same role that she had already had. And then I went back to, um, to Bottom my original. Line is you really didn't see the future there, huh? Well, I would have stayed because I, I loved the patients and staff. Um, I actually had rushed into things when my dad died and had gotten engaged like five, six weeks <laughs> after he passed. Uh, and unfortunately, it was uh, not a good person to be connected to. And um, by grace, I am here telling the story today. Um, he was a very angry so and you're, violent you're person. Now, you're not in Washington anymore. You're in Nashville, correct? Yeah, I moved to Nashville about a year after leaving transitioning. Um, had some, uh, my brother needed some support out here. He was transitioning in his life, and um, I, I wanted a fresh start somewhere new. Um, I would have stayed there at the hospital, but I couldn't afford to leave the relationship that I was in uh, for safety reasons. Did you grow um, up in the state of Washington, though? Yeah, I'm from uh, Spanaway, <laughs> Spanaway, Washington. It's about an hour south of Seattle. So, um, yeah, so then from there, um, really, honestly, it, it got serious. My, I took my business seriously um, and decided that it would actually be a business. Um, 
because of all those testimonials that the patients had in the promotion, I knew all of the negativity were just factors outside of my control and that um, it would be a disservice to all of those patients if I didn't share it with other people. Um, so I, yeah, I just started the journey. I taught myself how to trademark a logo and a brand uh, without a lawyer and got all that approved, um, you know, saved up to get the website started and connected right before I moved out here. Uh, so I packaged the program, put it on the website and I was like, I need video demos for the program so that a facilitator know if they don't have a fitness background, like they'll know what the exercise looks like, um, real quick. And I was like, but I don't, I don't have the time or resources or even the space on my phone or the money to get a new phone. Like there was a lot of recent, like things outside of my control that I was like, okay, figure out a way to do this. And through grace, I connected with this guy that, um, has a former videography business. He worked with, I don't know if you're familiar with the rapper Macklemore, but he actually, he did a thrift shop song a few years ago. Yes. Um, so he actually filmed a couple of his music videos. Uh, he's, he lives in, last name. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he actually loved what I was doing and loved that I wanted to help people with mental illness because he lost his father when he was seven to suicide. So he said, Aaron, I know you're on a budget, <laughs> extreme budget. And he's like, I want to do this as a service to you and, and gave me a really great rate for the 60 plus workout demo videos and shot all of them uh, for me, edited them all, you know, all that. So um, that, that made it, you know, available um, for, you know, once, once I got the website up and whatnot. Um, so yeah. And then last, this last year, I guess, just like launching the podcast, I think April or May, I started the podcast just cause I was like, how do you market online? I knew nothing about starting or running a business other than just like my dad was in sales and, I knew about customer service because when he passed, there was, you know, customers from his first sales job that were there from 40 plus years of, of sales. So I knew like I grew up in that culture of like, you know, lifetime customer attitude and doing, doing things the right way and stuff like that. So, but as far as like running an organization and things, there was a lot for me to learn and I'm still learning every single day. Um, but I Googled how to market online and <laughs> there's a lot of information on Google, a lot of good, right? a lot of not it's so good. G-O-O-G-L-A. Exactly. And <laughs> Gary V was at the top of the search. So I, um, I listened to a variety and read a lot of audiobooks and listened to audiobooks, I should say. And, um, but I, I really leaned more towards Gary V's philosophies um, for marketing specifically so because. For many people, um, interrupt you, for many people don't know, that's how we met through this yeah. synergy of Gary Vee, which is pretty weird, but that's how I met yeah. Aaron. And it's, it's really neat. Yeah. And, um, I love that he's, I would say he's like a hundred thousand times percent more than what I am for marketing just because I'm one person um, doing this outside, you know, having a yeah, full-time so job and, and you're using them towards exactly what you do and what your value is. And that's exactly. And, if it's not a testimonial enough to his philosophy, I used his recommendations, which is to get everywhere and do a little bit everywhere and do more in the areas where you're doing better in. And um, I started and made a commitment to myself to post Monday through Friday once a day. And uh, that was two summers ago. I did not even have an Instagram channel 
for my move happy stuff until I moved out here uh, to Nashville. And within four months, I think it was four or five months, Facebook reached out to me and said, Hey, we've got this small business, um, you know, speak on stage forum. We'd love to interview you to see if you'd be a good fit um, to educate other entrepreneurs on how to essentially start a business successfully. And I was like, Wow. What? Nice. So I had this awesome call with uh, one of the gals from Facebook about it, and they're actually um, still organizing it. So it'll probably be out in the next year or two. Um, I don't know if I'll be selected or not, but she was so impressed with what I was able to do with without you know any financial resources and whatnot outside of my own earnings um, to provide me. She said we don't give this to everybody, but they're they have this special network of support through Facebook to help you uh grow your brand even faster and she said it's a if there's a bunch of reading materials but if you don't have time for that and you have a question you want to reach out to one of our team members i'm giving you access to our private portal and i was just like oh my god i feel so like this is so cool you know it's just just being so excited about the journey and being grateful to everybody that's been helping along the way. Um, it's been, it's been so fun. And I finally, so I did the one time a day post and then I was like, I can commit to Monday through Friday once a day and then a blog, um, on Saturdays. And I didn't have the podcast started until the following year. I was like, okay. I, Cause I was spending about 30 hours a week figuring out like what to post, the text, the video, like getting clear on my message, like all that, you know. So now you have um, a system, I know, that you've So now I, it. yeah, exactly. So I got really efficient with my time because that's what I do and I'm good at. Um, and so I cut down 30 hours a week to about four to six hours a month um, instead of like 120 hours a month. So, um, and I'm a teacher and I love teaching. So there's a lot of other business owners that I know need help with their branding and marketing. And so, yeah, so I just was like, okay, well, people kept coming up to me or DMing me or emailing me and saying like, how are you getting so much done and you have a full-time job? And I was like, well, I wasted a lot of time in the beginning and I didn't like that. I wanted to have, you know, my weekends a little bit, you know, more free right. to, you know, grocery shop or wash my hair, you know, basic things. Right. And so I got, I said, I made a system for myself. I, I figured it out and they were like, well, can you teach me? And then I was like, well, yeah, of course I can. So I figured out a way how to kind of turn it into a workshop to teach um, other business owners. My second, just to give you perspective, my second guest on my podcast, uh, which is called the move happy movement podcast um, was Blanca Cobb, who's a body language expert. She's a TEDx speaker. She was on the Steve Harvey show um, and Mel Robbins show. I didn't know that I love though. Mel Robbins, by the way. I love her five, four, three, two, one, go. Yes. Um, I, it's on my book I list. Yeah, I didn't know that she was on the show because um, I met her through a LinkedIn post. She was on the Dancing with the Stars um, in her local chapter and did a fundraiser for that. And somehow I saw her video through my little timeline thing and I reached out to her and she said yes to be on my show. And then the following week after I recorded the episode with her, then I found out she was on the Steve Harvey show and I, and I was like, Holy crap, who did I just interview? So and then I'm looking on her channels and whatnot. And I'm like, girl, 
Like we need to bump up your following. Let me help you out. And so I asked her, Hey, I'd love to have you be my first kind of beta tester. And um, what I'm going to add value to you is I'm going to help you build your brand. um, Because she at that point had been on over five, I think she said 500 news articles or published in magazines. And I said, how much time, like over what period? And she said about five years. And I said, so you've been doing your own branding online for five years and you have 800 followers, like not to diss her in any way, but I was like, girl, I was like, girl, let me help you out. I, I know how I can help you out. Cause at that point within four months, I had almost 4,000 followers on my Instagram. So I was like, I don't think I'm perfect at it, but I think I might've found a way to accelerate the growth and awareness and stuff. So I, I just wanted to help her and also prove that my workshop actually worked since right. so, so many people were asking me for help. I didn't want to like create something that sucked <laughs> for, the, for, for their time. Well. Exactly. Yeah. So she loved it. She was like, I got so much clarity and whatnot. Um, and I said, you know, if you wouldn't mind just writing a testimonial and for me and whatnot. And so um, she, I'm working on getting her, I've got a live event l- later on this summer. Um, and if, she, if her schedule's, free then she might be speaking on stage so it's just like it's been such a fun journey I'm definitely still learning but yeah I'm just I'm really excited and honored that something so painful could turn into something so beautiful because it really it really was the death of my dad and the compassion and kindness that those patients patients showed to me that really started this whole thing so. you just don't know where life's going to lead you and who you're going to walk exactly so I think that's so awesome. Um, I could yeah. talk to you for hours because you have a, a long story. I know, but I know <laughs> is uh, is getting a little tight here. Um, yeah, I do want to. If you have a, like five minutes to talk about the reframing of negative thinking into positive thinking, because I know that's what you like doing and like. So can you give us some kind of example? How do we reframe? What you know? What are? Give us some tips here. Yeah. So reframing negative thinking into positive thinking, it really starts with the end in mind, Uh, just like designing curriculum with the end in mind. You're going to be so much faster at getting to your goal if you have a clear vision of where you're headed. So um, our thoughts are things. If you are thinking that you want to maybe start your own business one day, um, get super clear on what that looks like for you, what that feels like um, when you are successful and design it backwards from the end in mind. Um, that really helps with uh, reframing your negative thoughts. So on days where maybe um, maybe someone told you no and you thought that they were like on your team and super supportive of you and believed in you and they said, you know, I don't, I don't think what you have like is ready or no, we're not going to support you because you don't have a huge following online or, you know, I mean, just a variety of things. You'll have to, on those tough days, believe it so strongly in your own self that even if you have a family member that doesn't support you or a close friend that you would think would be supportive, but they're afraid that they don't want you to fail. Um, So think of it that way that your friends and your family, they love you, they support you. Um, but they might not have your best um, interests at heart because they don't see the things that you see and they don't feel the things that you feel. Um, and eventually they'll come on board. Eventually they will because they will, they just, will see. If they and don't, if they don't that's fine. They move on, yeah. right? Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, I, when I first decided 
that this move happy thing was bigger than me and that it would be a disservice to not share it with other people. I, um, I reached out to every single one of my connections on my Facebook. Cause that was like my biggest, um, following connection right. at the time. And I sent them a message and just said, Hey, I'm really excited about this thing that I'm, um, starting. I'd love to just kind of keep you connected on the journey. If this is something you're interested in, um, you know, let me know how I can support you. And, um, this is my page or whatnot. I think, I don't think I had a business page at the time. Oh, it was a different business name at the time. It was called a firm queen when I first started, uh, <laughs> which is a different story for another episode. Um, but I reached out to every single person because I wanted to let them know, like, if you think like a physical business, like it's a grand opening, like I was thinking digitally, like I'm getting started and I just wanted to let them know. And it would be a disservice if they had connections to mental health and they wanted to, you know, follow the journey or if I could help them in any manner that I was, you know, letting them know like, Hey, I'm open for business and this is where I'm headed. Would love, would love your support, not financially or anything, just emotional support at this point. Um, and if not, that's okay. But I just wanted to let you know. And uh, there were some people that were really excited for me. There was probably 99% didn't respond at all. Uh, but the cool thing, but that's okay. That it's a, Absolutely. Okay. The cool thing I think for me is all the people that are reaching out now from those first messages that are saying, wow, I remember when you reached out to me and you told me this is what you were doing. And I'm so sorry that it's taken me this long to message you back. But now I see that you're serious. And now some big time, you know, possible NFL Hall of Famer is going to be at my live event. Like, I mean, it's, it's fun. It's fun because it's like, I don't, I didn't assume that they weren't interested. I just assumed that they were watching they were, the whole time. They were just watching your progress. That's really weird. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes I think just as human beings, it's natural for us to think that if people aren't as excited as we are, that they're not supportive um, and go straight to the negative. Um, so be non-judgmental. If someone doesn't message you back and you're like trying to like start your business or you're trying to start your nonprofit or whatever it is that you're passionate about, don't assume that they don't think you could do it or don't think you're good enough. Like they're, they're on their own journey in life. They've got their own priorities and you always have to think the WIFM practice, which is what's in it for me. How can you add value to that person to make them be interested in what you're doing? Um, so yeah. I love that takeaway. So on ending here, uh, tell people where they can find you, your happy movement, the move season, you move happy products. <laughs> tell, tell us where we can find you and your seminars and, and everything else where they can follow you on social. And uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, my website, um, where my program is at, if you're a mental health facilitator or you're uh, like maybe a fitness instructor and you want to take a look at the curriculum, it's on themovehappy.com. Um, Instagram is at the real move happy and Facebook is the same. Um, I'm on TikTok actually seeing on my TikTok. So don't, you won't see too much uh, mental health stuff. Sometimes you will, but uh, I love to sing. So that's what I do there. We haven't LinkedIn. got into that you're a singer-songwriter. Nobody's ever knew that yet. When they go yeah. to the site, they'll see a <laughs> phenomenal video. It's with your brother, correct? 
Yeah. Yeah. It's Thank great. you. They have to, they have to see that video. Yeah. On the website, you'll see it's probably six or seven years ago, maybe longer. Oh gosh. We did a cover that ended up getting selected for uh, the, so you think you can dance show. Um, You're very and, talented by the way. So you have a lot you. to give back. Thank you. I am trying my best every day to use the gifts that I have been given to add and contribute to the world. So um, I, I'm on pretty much every social, I don't think I'm on Tumblr, uh, <laughs> but Twitter, um, Move Happy Team. Um, and I'm going to have all your info down below as well. So yeah, yeah. If they want the journal, I actually give that away for free, the entire journal. Um, it is like connected to an email list, which is more geared towards the like mental health practitioners that might be um, wanting the program down the line. Um, but I am planning in the next few years to um, add Move Happy Family, uh, Move Happy um, Youth programs and whatnot. So if they do want to download the free journal, um, they can do that. Uh, and I can give you the link for that. Um, I think it's, yeah, I'll have to give it to you. I don't have it memorized. Um, and then they can stay connected through the email list that way. Or if they want to purchase it um, by itself, it's on the website in the shop as well. Um, my big thing is if people are going to, you know, take a journal, um, either print, uh, print it by purchasing or um, get it for free that you just make one copy because it is copywritten unless you email me and send me a stellar email how you're going to use that particular Hello. journal to contribute to the world. Um, and then awesome. I will, uh, yeah, I will negotiate with you uh, for more than one copy. <laughs> All right. Well, guys. Um reach out to Erin Nicole. She has a lot to give back, um, mm -hmm. you know, and around the country. So you've been great. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you. you guys listen on the podcast, follow us, follow her podcast show. And, um, you know, Ned and I, again, want to thank you for taking the time. We know there's a lot of content out there for our audience to listen to. And we appreciate that you guys are, you know, listening and watching and, and Aaron, we will be in touch. And, um, yeah. Thank you so, so much for uh, appearing today. Thank you. This has been so fun. Thank you. All right. Take care. Have a great day. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Hey everybody, Dave Markowitz here. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast of Tuesday's Tips. Ned and I understand that you have many options to listen to, and we really appreciate you taking the time today. So if you can, just go ahead and share it with people you know. And again, thanks so much for taking the time today.